Jesus calls us to take up our cross and follow him. You're listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities, and it is our aim to lead you to the cross through the teaching of God's Word. Okay, we're in the middle of a study on Israel in the end times, and we are going to be in the book of Ezekiel. But before we get there, I want to go to the book of Matthew, and let's do Matthew chapter 21. And I'm going to pray, and we'll get started here. Father, we we love you. We thank you for the time together. God, we thank you for Israel. God, we thank you for the times that we're living in, pretty radical times. And Lord, there's a bunch of stuff that's going on over in the Middle East right now that could be leading up to some of the things that you speak about in your word and specifically leading up to the time that you come to take your church out of here. Lord, as we're going through and talking about the people of Israel today and your plan for them, Father, we just pray that you would give me wisdom and clarity, Lord, and that, Lord, your Holy Spirit would open up your word to our hearts and you'd show us wondrous things in your law. And we ask that you do this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 21, at the very beginning of chapter 21, what you have here is the triumphal entry, okay? And so this happened the week that Jesus died. And so most likely the triumphal entry happened on a Sunday. That's why we celebrate Palm Sunday. And Jesus goes into the city of Jerusalem and he specifically goes into the temple and he cleanses the temple for the second time. So the first time he did it at the beginning of his ministry, that's when he made a whip of cords and he went in and he drove everybody out. This time is at the end of his ministry. He doesn't make a whip of cords because they remember him and he drives them out again. And all these guys had come back. Okay, and then what happens is he goes across the Kidron Valley. It's the, it's the valley on the eastern side of the city of Jerusalem. It's in between Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives. So he goes across the, the Kidron Valley and he goes to Bethany. And then the next morning he gets up and he's going back into the city and down in verse 18, it says, now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he was hungry and seeing a fig tree by the road, he came to it and found nothing on it but leaves and said to it, let no fruit grow on you ever again. And immediately the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled and said, how did the fig tree wither away so soon? And Jesus said, assuredly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, it will be done. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. Okay, so what's up with the fig tree? So Jesus is coming along and gosh, I believe it's in Luke's gospel. It says it wasn't even the season for figs. And we know this because it's Passover season. And so Jesus is is walking along and he sees leaves on the fig tree. He goes up and looks for fruit, doesn't find any fruit. And so he curses the fig tree. Is he just having a bad morning? Did he wake up on the wrong side of the bed? What's happening here? 
And one of the things that you have in the Bible is that the fig tree is a symbol of the nation of Israel. And what Jesus is going to be doing for the next four days is presenting himself to the people of Israel as the Messiah and actually as the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. One of the things that happens on the day that Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem is all the people of Israel go out and pick a lamb for the Passover and they take it home and they keep it in their house for the next four days. And the reason that they have it in their house is so that they can examine it and make sure that it's without flaw. It's also to make it a big fat hassle to have Passover with a bunch of kids in a house that has a cute little lamb that you're about to slaughter. And so it's, it's specifically to give you a heart for the lamb. And one of the things that a lot of people don't know about lambs is that they have tails. And so when you, when you have sheep, you dock the tail on a sheep most often. But when they're little lambs, their tails are about this long and they wiggle. Anytime that the lambs are having fun, the lambs are jumping around on all fours and their little tails are wiggling and they're just cute as all get out. And that's what's happening in the, in the, in the homes for the next four days. Jesus presented himself as the Lamb of God on Sunday morning. And for the next four days, what's going to happen is the people of Israel, and specifically the, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Herodians, all the leadership is going to be coming up and asking Jesus questions and examining him and trying to catch him. And what happens is he makes fools of all of them and gives them answers that just blow them all away. And so what they're finding is that the Lamb of God is without flaw for the next four days. And then when Passover comes, Jesus is sacrificed again as the Lamb of God. Okay. So all of this stuff is going on with the, with the nation of Israel during this period of time. And so he comes in on a Sunday. On Monday morning, as he's going to the temple, he sees this fig tree. And again, it's got leaves on it, but it doesn't have any fruit on it. And fig trees grow the fruit before they grow the leaves. I used to have fig trees when I was a kid, a fig tree. When, actually, my parents had the tree. But used to have a fig tree when, when I was a kid, and you would always see these little bulbs of fruit that would grow on them long before the leaves came out. And so when Jesus sees leaves on this fig tree, if it's growing normally, then what would happen is he'd be able to walk up and he'd be able to get fruit off the fig tree by the time that he sees the leaves. But the fig tree is not growing normally. And so he curses it. Then two days later, actually, no, it's not even two days later. It's the next day. On the next day, Jesus gives what's called the Olivet Discourse. The Olivet Discourse, and that's over in Matthew chapter 24. And so from Matthew chapter 21 and verse 18, all the way to, I think it's in chapter 23 that he ends up going home. I can't remember. I'd have to go back and look. But in, in any case, the very next day, this is Tuesday, Jesus gives what's called the Olivet Discourse. And that is where all the disciples asked him, when are the thing, Jesus, they, they showed him the, the temple complex and Jesus said, surely, 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 I say to you, not one stone is going to be left upon another. And then the disciples start asking questions. When will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming? 
and of the end of the age. And then Jesus gives Matthew 24, where he starts talking about signs that are leading up to the second coming. And you have him do that from verses four all the way down to verse 31. And in verse 31, it, it ends with, he will, he will send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Now, some people have looked at that passage and thought that that was the gathering of the church to be with Jesus. But one of the things that the Old Testament says, and it's some of the stuff that we're gonna be talking about tonight, is that when Messiah comes, he's literally going to gather all the people of Israel out of all the nations wherever they're scattered. And he brings them to the nation of Israel. And that's found in Ezekiel chapter 36. We're gonna to get to that. And some other passages in the book of Jeremiah. And it's at the borders of the land of Israel that Jesus judges the people of Israel as to whether, whether or not they're going to go into the kingdom, okay? So those are signs that are leading up to the second coming of Christ. Second coming of Christ takes place, then Jesus gathers his elect, that's talking about the Jews, to the nation of Israel, and that judgment takes place. Then there's a parenthesis, and the parenthesis is the parable of the fig tree. Look at verse 32. Now learn this parable from the fig tree, when the branch has already become tender and puts forth leaves, you know that summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know that it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And so he gives this parable of the fig tree, and it's a parenthesis in between the signs leading up to the second coming and the sign of the end of the age. Because he was asked three questions. When will these things be? The destruction of Jerusalem. That's found over in Luke chapter 21. What will be the sign of your coming? That's Matthew chapter 24, verses four through 31, and of the end of the age. And the disciples probably thought the sign of the second coming and the sign of the end of the age were exactly the same thing but Jesus didn't answer it that way. They're not exactly the same thing. And so after he gives this little parable as a parenthesis, then he goes through and in verse 36, he says, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only, as in the days of, as the days of Noah were, so also will the, son, the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and did not know until the flood came and took them all away. So also will the coming of the son of man be. Then two men will be in the field. One will be taken, the other left. Two women will be grinding at the mill. One will be taken and the other left. Watch therefore, for you do not know what hour your Lord is coming. And then he gives two more parables about being ready for an unexpected return. And so in one parable, it's the parable of the two servants. One is foolish and wicked, and the other one is wise. The wise one is waiting for his master's return. The other one says the master is delaying his coming and begins to eat and drink with the drunkards and to beat his fellow servants. And the master comes on to him on a day that he doesn't know in an hour he's not aware of. Cuts him in two, appoints him his portion with the hypocrites. There will be weep weeping and gnashing of teeth. 
is what Jesus says there. And then he gives the parable of the 10 virgins. And again, unexpected event. Expected, but unexpected. And, that's, and that has to do with the Jewish wedding feast. And in a Jewish wedding feast, the bridegroom came and stole his bride away at a period of time that she knew just about where it was going to be, but didn't know for sure what day or what hour. And being a guy, the Jewish bridegroom would do it usually in the middle of the night. And so you as a bride, or in this case, bridesmaids, had to be ready at every moment. And there would be a trumpet that would be sounded and the, the bridegroom's friend would say, the bridegroom cometh. And if you were ready, then you got to go into the marriage feast. If you were not ready, then you were left behind. And the doors were shut and you were not allowed into the father's house, the father of the, of the bridegroom, where the Jewish wedding feast took place. Those are all um, parables that are speaking about the unexpected coming of Jesus for the church and the fact that we need to be ready for it. So at the second coming, there are a number of events that are gonna take place, including some of the things that we've already talked about. So last, last time uh, we talked about the rise of the Antichrist. We talked about the, the second temple, or excuse me, the third temple. We talked about the two witnesses. We talked about the 144,000. All these things are gonna be taking place before the second coming of Christ along with a number of judgments that are also gonna be taking place that are just flatly catastrophic on ways that the world has never experienced. And it's exactly what Jesus said was going to, going to be happening. So this is what I'm telling you. In this passage, Jesus is going through and he's answering two questions in this passage in Matthew 24 specifically. The first question are what are the signs leading up to the second coming? And the second question is what is the sign of the end of the age? And you guys, the sign of the end of the age is the rapture of the church. And in between those two things, he says, you need to be ready. And he gives another sign and he gives this parable of the fig tree. The day before he cursed the fig tree. So this is fresh in the minds of the apostles. So they, they get up in the morning on Monday morning, walking into Jerusalem, Jesus curses the fig tree. They say, you know, they, they start talking about what's going on with this and how did you do that? And Jesus says, you'll be able to do exactly the same thing if you just believe and have faith and, and that kind of stuff. And so he, he teaches on that. But again, why the cursing of the fig tree? And then when you get to this passage, you have this whole thing with the fig tree. And when you see leaves on it, you know that summer is near. And then he compares that to events that are gonna be leading up to the next thing that he talks about, which is two people being in one field, one's taken, the other's left, two women grinding at one mill, one's taken and the other's left. And you need to be ready for this, for this situation. Okay, so Israel in the Old Testament is a fig tree. And so when Jesus is cursing the fig tree in Matthew chapter 21, it's a statement on what's going on with the nation. And so the nation, and, and Jesus talks about this again over these four days, this is just the second day, but over the four days, he talks about the nation and he specifically lets them know that they are whitewashed tombs, that they look like they're alive, but they're dead. And he over and over rebukes them for the fact that they have an outward religiosity and there's no inward reality to it. 
okay? And that's what the fig tree is all about. And I'm, I'm just gonna give you a, a number of verses that speak about this. So one of them is in Ezekiel chapter 17, in verse 22 through 24, and it says this, thus says the Lord God, I will take also one of the highest branches of the high cedar and set it out. I will crop off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one and will plant it on a high and prominent mountain. On the mountain height of Israel, I will plant it and it will bring forth boughs and bear fruit and be a majestic cedar. Under it will dwell birds of every sort in the shadow of its branches they will dwell. And all the trees of the field shall know that I, the Lord, have brought down the high tree and exalted the low tree, dried up the green tree and made the dry tree flourish. I, the Lord, have spoken and have done it. In that situation, what God is talking about is the nation of Israel, and he's comparing it to a tree, just a tree. He also does this in Ezekiel chapter 31 with the nation of Egypt and the nation of Assyria. Gives another parable about two trees and trees being, being uh, cut down and destroyed and that kind of stuff. In Hosea 9.10, specifically, he calls Israel a fig tree. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness, I saw your fathers as the first fruits on the fig tree in its first season, but they went to Baal Peor, which is a false god, and separated themselves to that shame. They became an abomination like the thing they loved. In Joel 1.7, it says, he has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree. He stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. And that's talking again about the nation of Israel comparing it to a vine and a fig tree. Both those things. Israel was compared to a grapevine and compared to a fig tree. This is what I'm telling you about this. Israel specifically is compared to a fig tree. I see no way that this is not talking about the nation of Israel, especially in the context of Jesus cursing the fig tree in Matthew chapter 21. Now, one of the things that people will do is they'll, they'll go over to Luke chapter 21, turn over there real quick, and there's a parallel passage where Jesus is talking again about trees. And if you look in verse 29, Jesus says, look at the fig tree and all the trees. When they are already budding, you see and know yourselves that summer is now near. So you also, when you see these things happening, know that the kingdom of God is near. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will by no means pass away till all things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. And in both places, Jesus talks about a generation, okay? He can't be talking about the generation that was alive at that time because they did pass away. Some people have said that the generation is the nation of Israel itself, that the nation of Israel itself will not pass away, which is true, but that's kind of a tautology. Everybody knows that. And Jesus made, just made a number of statements about the fact that Israel was going to be there. I believe that the generation that he's talking about is the generation that sees the budding of the leaves on the fig tree. And that would be when Israel again becomes a nation. But it's not confined to Israel. It's, Israel is not the only nation that is called out during the last days. And that's why we're gonna go back to the book of Ezekiel. There are a number of nations that are called out specifically in the context of God reaching the people of Israel and turning them around and bringing them into a relationship with him and also bringing judgment on the world and specifically what we would call the tribulation period. 
There are some other passages that, that deal with this. You see this in the book of Daniel, Daniel chapter four. Remember Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and in the dream, there's this huge tree reaches up to the heavens and got fruit and all the, tree, all, all the birds are hanging out underneath it, that kind of thing. And then somebody comes along, cuts down the tree, puts an iron band around it, and it's, it's out of whack for the next seven years, basically, or seven seasons is what it actually says in Hebrew there. And when Daniel gives the interpretation, Daniel says, you, Nebuchadnezzar, are the tree. And so in the Bible, nations and kings are connected together. And so Babylon is almost always connected with Nebuchadnezzar and trees and nations also and kings are connected together. And so again, again you have this thing. And so what I'm, what I'm telling you is that when you get to the Old Testament, this whole thing with trees, it's not just the nation of Israel that, that's a harbinger of, of the end times. It is specifically Russia and Turkey and Iran and Ethiopia and Libya and Cush, or Cush and Ethiopia are the same thing, and Gomer. It is those nations that are listed as being major players in the end times and specifically at the beginning of the tribulation period. And so when you see those nations putting, you know, putting out buds, so to speak, then you know summer is near and all these things are going to, going to come to pass. And if I'm right with the whole generation thing, and I believe that I am, the generation that sees Israel become a nation, and that, has just, that just happened in the 20th century, the generation that sees Israel become the nation is the terminal generation. It's the last generation that's gonna be on the planet before Jesus comes back. And so Israel became a nation in 1948. We earlier were talking about in Luke chapter 21 that Jerusalem was going to be trampled under, under the feet of the Gentiles until the times of the Gentiles were fulfilled. That happened in 1967. And that was fulfilled at that point. And so the generation that saw Israel become a nation is going to be the terminal generation. And that's almost a tautology too, in the sense of it, you're, you're basically saying the same thing because the Bible talks about the fact that Israel is going to be back in the land at the end times and that Israel is going to be the center of world events at the end times. And so obviously you have the people who are there at that time it's that just that when you're talking about a generation, it confines it. And so for 1900 years, Israel as a nation was out of the land. They were spread all over the world, including in the land of Israel, but they were spread all over the world. And then in 1948, they come back together as a nation. <clears throat> when I was a kid, I got saved in 1975. And one of the things that uh, was getting taught at the time, and it was reasonable, this came from a number of prophecy books, including the late great planet Earth. And they glommed on to this whole parable of the fig tree and the terminal generation. And they went, okay, what's a generation? And so what they wanted to do was put a timeline on it. And so basically what they did was they went back to the book of Exodus and the book of Numbers. And you know that Israel, when they were wandering in the wilderness, how long did they wander in the wilderness? For 40 years until, until that generation died off.
You've been listening to Crosswalk with Pastor Steve Winery. Crosswalk is the radio ministry of Calvary Chapel Tri-Cities in Kennewick, Washington. If you are interested in purchasing a copy of today's message or wanting to know more about what it means to follow Christ, then please contact our church office by phone at 509-736-2086. You can also look us up online at calvary-tricities.org. There you will find a wide variety of Pastor Steve's teachings to listen to or download for free. If you want to join us for church sometime, we are located at 10611 West Clearwater Avenue in Kennewick, Washington. Our Sunday morning service times are 7.30, 9.15, and 11 a.m. We also have Wednesday and Sunday evening services at 6.30 p.m. We hope you have been blessed today and join us again next time for Crosswalk.